0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. I'm calling it a special episode because we weren't planning on doing an episode on Twitter, but with everything that has been happening with Twitter... I thought it was a good idea. And actually, it wasn't me who came up with this idea. I want to give credit where credit is due. So Tanya, they came up with this idea during our recording of Silver Linings Playbook. So thank you, Tanya, for coming up with that idea. So Tanya is on this uh, recording. And so this one is actually a recording where we have four panelists, including myself. So a little bit different, but I thought with the subject matter... It would help. So, um, and I want to let you know, since things are changing constantly, like something happened today, the day we're recording, that if we had been recording yesterday, we wouldn't have been talking about. So we are recording this on Sunday, December 18th at about 3.40 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So things could have changed on Twitter by the time you're listening to this on Wednesday, December 21st. So who knows? And if you're listening to it later than that, I'm sure a lot of other things will have changed by then. Who knows? We might not even be on Twitter anymore. My personal account might not even be on Twitter anymore. I don't know. I might be banned. I don't know. <laughs> we will see. So, uh, so yes. Yeah, so, we are talking about Twitter, uh, which was created by Jack Dorsey, Noah Glass, Biz Stone, and Evan Williams in March of 2006. And it was launched that July. By 2012, more than 100 million users posted 340 million tweets a day, and the service handled an average of 1.6 billion search queries per day. The company went public in November 2013. By 2019, Twitter had more than 330, 330 million monthly active users. And the reason we are covering this is that on April 25th, 2022, Twitter agreed to a forty-four billion dollar buyout by Elon Musk, CEO of SpaceX and Tesla, one of the biggest (laughs) one of the biggest deals to turn a company private. On July eighth, Musk terminated the deal, but then, of course, you know that led the company officials to sue Musk. On July 12th, and then on October 4th, Musk announced his intention to purchase the company as he had agreed, and that closed on October 27th, so leading us to today's recording. So before we get into all things Twitter, though, I do want to start out a little bit lighter, maybe, I don't know, depending on what you're into, although what I'm into is not really necessarily that light, so hey... (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to ask my panelists, I'm like, wait, wait, where where do I start? Because where everyone's situated in my screen. Uh, So, Carla, what are you into right now in pop culture?
1: I am into this dark and tragic. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I watched a movie on Disney Plus called Noel starring Anna Kendrick, um, Shirley MacLaine, Bill Hader, and even though it has Billy Eichner in it, it's really, really good. It's so <laughs> cute, it's so sweet. It's like the perfect Christmas movie to watch. With, I mean, it's 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 rated G, so it's in, you know intended for to be watched with kids and everything. But you know, even if you don't have kids, if you just want to watch something that's like pure and lovely, watch. Um, Noel on Disney Plus. It's lovely. It's such a cute movie. I really enjoyed it. Like I've already watched it. I'm like, oh, when can I watch it again? Because my son will not watch movies with me.
2: (laughs) You know, fun little fact. uh, I've only watched like, I think like four things on Disney Plus ever since Disney (gasps) Plus has been around. Make this Um, your fifth. No, this was one of the only things that I have watched on <laughs> oh 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 <laughs> and it was during it was during the free trial uh, back way back when this was first on and actually I think there's a video I have of Fergie watching this it was this and lady and the tramp were the two things we watched in the in the free trial during the free trial and then it and then it went away did Fergie walk away bored because there was no slaughter in it no no she's <laughs> sitting there like but but I think that's mainly when we're watching the Lady and the Tramp one. But anyway, so <laughs> a, little, a little trivia of the, the few things I've actually watched on Disney Plus that actually happens to be one of them. So, uh, so Meg, what are you into?
3: I actually I started watching The Crown again because I'm just like, I don't know what's going on with me. I am running out of stuff to watch that I'm like in the mood for. And I have all these things of shows I really, really want to watch. But I'm just like, I don't feel like doing that right now. So that's what I'm doing. I'm watching The Crown. I'm on season two. No spoilers, guys. I don't know. I I have never watched
2: it, not, but,
3: but do not spoil. I wonder how it ends. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's right after I finished watching the Harry and Meghan docu series. So apparently, I'm into the royal family right now, which is weird and uncomfortable you're in a
1: royal streak (laughs) i'm
3: on a royal streak. it's because carla made me watch princess switch and so then i was like you know what i just want to be a princess and then i watched this i'm like no i don't i definitely (laughs) don't want to be a princess
2: (laughs) (laughs) and tanya what are you into
4: So I have been watching the show. um, Welcome to Chippendales on uh, Hulu. And I need somebody to watch it and talk about it with me because I, okay, good. Because I am not watching it for the stripping. Like, I don't care about that. And everyone's laughing at me. (laughs) They're like, oh yeah, you read it for the articles. (laughs) Like, no, I'm watching it for the weirdest, wildest, you can't make this up story Uh, because it's for my, I'm Gen X, right? And for people my age, like I was a child, like 10, 12 years old, but I knew Chippendales, like their branding was wildly successful. They were in people's homes, like on Donahue and Oprah, like in ways that you would not have expected, you know, a stripping show (laughs) to be familiar and a part of pop culture. And I don't know how to explain that to my kids or younger people, like how big of a deal they were. I mean, like Playboy, but I guess I think they even had a better reputation or a more um, family friendly. Isn't the right word. uh, Progressive ish reputation than playboy. At least that was my impression as a, as a young tween slash teen. Uh, But the story behind this is just wild. It's, it's just, (laughs) I don't get into true crime very much, but this is, this is the kind of stuff where I'm like, I can't, I had to like go ruin it for myself and read the whole Wikipedia about it. Um, so yeah, if you haven't, and the performances, it's a show. It's one of those shows where you're like, okay, the show is fine. The performances are fantastic
2: also. So yeah, yeah, very much enjoying that. I agree. I had two things picked out and that was one of the things. So because deciding which one. And so you made the, but yes, I, I'm watching it too, Tanya. And yeah, it's, um, it's very, very, very interesting, and I do agree about the performances. And it is a true crime. It's that's I mean that's what it is. It's a...
4: <laughs> yeah, that's so, the only like yeah. true crime that I will be watching probably ever is if there's weird um, politics and stuff yeah. involved.
2: And yeah. it's and it's also has to do you know there's a lot of racism involved in it too, yep. and then of course um, a lot about women and and you know women actually you know like. One of the lines in the first one is, you know, well, we're women. We get horny, too. You know, It's like <laughs> so, yes, yes, that, that's it's a good one. So, Tiff, what are you into? So I I don't even know why I watched this. This was ridiculous. I watched
0: something called Blood, Sex, and Royalty on Netflix. It's only three episodes. It's like they're like 45 minutes a piece. Basically, it's the story. Loosely based on (laughs) King Henry VIII and also Anne Boleyn and their very volatile marriage, they. (laughs) they I loved it so much. (laughs) Well, so it's it's touted as a docu drama. Uh, heavy on the drama part of things. And my biggest issue with this is like, there's source material about how these folks looked and they (laughs) always get it wrong. Like without a doubt, they always get it wrong. It's never correct. Catherine of Aragon was not dark haired. It is sourced. She had blondish reddish hair. (laughs) Why is she always dark haired? <laughs> it's ridiculous. How else will you know she's from Spain? I know. How else will you know she's a spawn well, intuitive
1: <laughs> You know, it's all because of the racism against blondes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's real hard it's to be anti-blonde it's it's racism. So, it's so hard to find
0: a blonde actress out there. Just I mean, you know, yes. Blonde
1: it. representation is seriously just <laughs> plummeting left. It's lacking. <laughs> also, <laughs> a
0: blonde that can give you a realistic Spanish accent. I mean, did the you, choices are just minuscule.
3: Did you see, like, I think it's the last days of the czar or something like that? Oh same my god! Same exact vibe, but bottom. about the Russian Revolution. <laughs> yes, I love it. It's like it's not good.
0: No, it's horrible. It's don't horrible. Care. Don't watch this. Love it. Don't no, watch it.
3: No, watch it. It's amazing. No, watch it. No,
0: Megan, don't tell people to watch this. <laughs> don't tell people to watch this. You will regret it with every ounce of your body that <laughs> you watch these things. You watched
3: the czar one, and then you watched this one, because, knowing that it was gonna be the same. Because I have
0: a death wish for my brain. That's why.
3: You know, we're never getting into Twitter. It's just me and am fighting. No, we I'm are done. going to get <laughs> into <I'm> <laughs> Twitter. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. That's what I
0: watched. It was ridiculous. Yeah, don't watch it, people. It's got watch like it. five out of ten stars. Don't do it.
3: Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
2: gosh. Uh, well, I am also watching. It's also a true crime doc, but it's, it's not um, of, you know, it's not like a retelling. It's not with actors reenacting it. It's um, Don't Pick Up the Phone on Netflix. I was wondering if Meg was watching it. Meg's pointing. That was going right to be now. for
3: next, uh, the next episode. Damn it.
2: No, you can recommend it on the next one. Doesn't not everybody listens to every single, I mean, everybody should listen to every single one, but, <laughs> uh, but no, you can recommend it on the next one. That's fine. Uh, but of course, this is about the bizarre, absolutely wild. The first 15 minutes of this, which trigger warning, For a lot of mention of um, sexual assault and lots of, I mean, it's just, it's pretty disturbing. And this was the story of uh, for 10 years, this man had been calling up fast food restaurants, impersonating a police officer and giving like a random description of an employee there and saying that they had been accused of stealing money from a customer and then saying, we want you to base it for, you know, first it starts out with, we want you to do a strip search of this employee in the back. All right. And these, these managers would do this a lot. Some hung up, but a lot of people would just continue and it would escalate and escalate and escalate to horrendous stuff that happened. It's, it's wild. You watch it and you're like, how did these people do this? Why did they continue to do this? So it's just it's really it's disturbing uh and interesting and um you know like like one of the cops or one of the one of the panelists in there said you know they targeted this man specifically targeted small towns where they trusted authority and so he was like, I can take advantage of that so yeah it's and and if you find out if you Google and search what happened to the person who actually did this. It will make you even more angry. So, yeah. I don't know if I haven't got, that. I right.
3: haven't gotten there yet. No. But, yeah. I, I was I, watching I it and I was like, it's Christmas. Why am I doing this to us?
2: I know. <laughs> I know. I started watching it. I'm like, oh. And I was telling my sister. My sister was like, I'm not watching that. That sounds awful. And then she's like, dang it. I'm sitting here
3: watching all of these. <laughs> Like I got books, I, I've got books in the library and stuff and they came to my Kindle and I was just, because I'm going to, I want to read the book Hood Feminism. Um, and I'm like, I don't want to read this right now. It's really sad. It's like, I want easy it is. stuff.
2: It's, it's disturbing, but but it's really well done and it's it's fascinating. So, okay, well, we're going to get into Twitter now. And first, I'm just going to give some trigger warnings because I'm not positive how much of this will be coming up, but I just thought it would be a good idea because of you know some bad things that happen on Twitter, such as you know sexual harassment, racism, of course, and uh, transphobia, homophobia, all of that. So you know, so and I might add some more when we um, when I edit this, depending on what comes up. But first. We're gonna start on a little light note here, and I just want to know, out of curiosity, Carla, when did you join Twitter, and and why did you decide to join Twitter too?
1: Mine is a strange and fascinating journey, and it all started back in 2011. Okay, so 2011, innocent times for me, and okay, I will preface this by saying that I grew up in in a in an immigrant family. Um, I went to Catholic schools all my life, and I did not, because I wasn't popular and also because I didn't care about like being around people, which I still don't, but I just didn't get a lot of perspectives outside of my very small whatever. But that's not why I joined Twitter. I joined Twitter because my husband kept seeing these funny things on Reddit by like funny people, so um, he's like, I kind of want to join Twitter to read these in real time, but I can't be bothered. I don't like social media. And I was like, you know, I'll join just to give it a shot. Just, you know, I'll uh, screenshot the fun ones and send them to you. And like, that was my whole purpose for joining Twitter. Um, follow comedians, follow actors who say funny things, screenshot them for my husband, I'm done. But then I started following, um, I started following, like, uh, the, the especially like the the person who did the traffic for my favorite radio station, and she and I are now like re- really good friends. So <laughs> you know, like the
3: most Carla thing.
1: <laughs> it's the most Carla thing. Is yes. I'm not going to follow a celebrity, just like a random celebrity. It's going to be like the person who does the traffic Cause that I really like. But then I, uh, you know, I uh, from there like it snowballed into fandoms and into more serious stuff. So it just, I just wanted to follow people who said funny things. And now I'm I have Twitter trauma. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Twitter trauma. <laughs> it just gave so a good time. Did you join? I joined in October of 2009 and I only and I know Whoa. that because Twitter recently told me. <laughs> like it <had> like <laughs> it's your anniversary and I'm like, "Oh god. <laughs> what have I been doing with my life?" Um <laughs> No, I and I don't really remember why I joined or anything like that. I I was like, this looks stupid. Psh, I'm never gonna use this. And then now here we are. Like it's it's a thing. I don't have a whole big story. I didn't I don't remember who I followed the first time or anything like that. I think my husband had it and he was like, Yeah, you should get Twitter, that'd be fun. And I'm like, Okay, and then it just kind of devolved from there. But you know, yeah, then it started meeting meeting friends and stuff like that and really getting into fandoms, which I, before Twitter, I'd never really got into any kind of fandom. So thanks. Thanks Twitter. Maybe <laughs> Twitter dying is not such a bad thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Tanya, when did you join Twitter?
4: I think I just looked it up and I guess it was April 2010 for my personal account. And I think I joined because uh, that, account shit my dad says was really really popular and I wanted to tweet jokes like that um, that were things Levi my my partner had said um, and I think that was why I wanted to tweet that and not put it on Facebook where my mom and my family and relatives would be like oh you shouldn't say that kind of stuff on the internet blah, blah, blah. right um, and but I think I ignored it for a while and then I mostly used it for um, professional, reasons, honestly, like for following academics, academic Twitter is pretty big. Like it's a pretty big part of Twitter. A lot of academics who had not been on social media in other ways were, were posting things and sharing their work and sharing um, versions of their work or tweets informed by their, their work. And I'm a sociologist. So I found that really interesting and useful and used it to inform myself and educate myself a little bit um in that way. And then I have a, a second account that is for my research project um, that's been active since 2016. And that was to connect with people in fandom and who are doing uh fandom related charity
2: work and activism and things like that. Mm-hmm. And Tiff, when did you join? According to Twitter, I joined September of 2013.
0: And I think it was more so that I was just kind of bored. Um, because I didn't like, I, I even at that time, I didn't like Facebook. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Instagram. It just wasn't my jam. Uh, Twitter seems to be more interesting to me because it was people like from all walks of life. You could talk to folks in different countries. Uh, whereas I think when you, honestly, when you friended people on Facebook, it was going to be people that were like in your immediate circle or people that were like your extended family. And that was it. But Twitter opened up like a world full of people. Now I have, you know, very close friends, obviously, Aaron in, in Colorado, Meg in Wisconsin, Carla in Florida, you know, and all these other folks. Um, we've traveled together, we've met up together. And, um, you know, and the fandom piece also, you know, we all met through the Mindy Project. And that was an offshoot of, um from AO3. You know, meeting folks on there and then popping over to Twitter and talking to each other in real time, uh, live tweeting stuff, which was always a good time. Um, I got really into like, I mean, hello, I'm black, so I got really into black Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so it um, it kind of just, it, it snowballed from there. I'm, and I know we'll get into it a little bit further. Um, it's disappointing the way it's it's moved into this phase. this point in time but i know we'll get into that a little bit further down the line but yeah but i'm i'm really happy with the folks that i've met you know let me not forget uh my girl mona who lives all the way in the netherlands also so i mean you know it's worldwide
2: (laughs) well i joined in december of 2012 the podcast joined in october of 2019 but um the reason i joined twitter i didn't want to join twitter Just like I didn't want to join Facebook. I I have always, I didn't want to join MySpace. I have always been kind of apprehensive of social media sites for a long time. Like I would be very, even though I love them and I'm on them all the time, I'm always kind of like, uh, I don't know, this is a good idea. Uh, and I joined it because I was taking classes through an acting school here in Colorado and one of my fellow classmates, fellow students uh, was like, you should join Twitter as a way of marketing yourself. And so when I first joined Twitter, I had my full name, the name that I was going to be going by. So it was more like something I was using for a marketing tool. And I barely used Twitter. Like I rarely was on there. I was like, this is the stupidest thing in the world. I don't care what someone, you know, I don't care about these little like, you know, microcosm stuff of like, you went there, you did that. I don't care. Who cares about that stuff? and then i didn't really get into it i wouldn't i would say until probably more in 2013 and that was more like i think right around like the oscars i started tweeting a tiny bit more in 2013 and then um you know after i was hospitalized in 2013 and then got out of the hospital it actually became kind of like a place where i could feel safe to have fun and because I was recovering from the trauma of that. So um, so it was it became a fun place for me and a place to connect to people and to feel okay about myself, I think is the best way to describe it. And if, and like Tiff said, connect to people that I would have never connected to with Facebook because yeah, Facebook is very much, you know, your own circle. Facebook is not like Twitter. And then I was like, oh, and it's cool. This celebrity's on here. Oh, this is interesting seeing what they have to say. And this creator. And then, of course, branching off and then f- fandom stuff, too, um, which the only other thing I had done fandom-wise was through IMDb and um, through the message boards there. And I had a lot of friends through there. But, you know, this was, like, totally different and live. I actually, I also liked that we were just live and everything was happening in the moment. And it was just really interesting to meet people and go through the different changes, like the character limits going from, what was it, like 100 and something to 250. And that was a huge deal and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So it became kind of an addiction, but a good addiction. And there'd be times leaving it, but times coming back. And I'm very, very heartbroken about what's happening with Twitter, honestly. I would not be as heartbroken, to be honest, if this was happening to Facebook. I wouldn't care as much if this
1: was happening to Facebook. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah.
2: I would be like, okay. Like, I wins. would be like,
1: kiddly, you know, dancing in a corner somewhere.
2: I'd be like, good. Now I can actually get off of here because, yeah. Because uh, I find Facebook a lot more toxic than Twitter in a lot of respects. But, but well, until now.
3: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
2: Okay, so now I still want to stay on the positive side. We're still going to stay on the positive side a little bit here. So I want to know, Carla, why is Twitter important to you? And do you have any favorite memories from your time on Twitter?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Twitter is important to me because, like I was getting at earlier, it really expanded my viewpoint outside of just my, you know, my Catholic upbringing and my um, immediate area. And even though, like, my my progression into just the absolute rabbit hole of being concerned about everything in the world, it, it really started with finding out that, yeah, I'm weird, but I'm not that weird, and that there are people who are weird like me in the world. And that was, like, a very big thing for me, because even, you know, like, my friends that That I've had since I was little, you know, like my my friends in Mexico that I'm so close to that I've known since birth, my friends that, that I've had since I moved here to the U.S., none of them really get some of the things that are important to me. You know, they don't really get like the the fandom stuff, especially it's really hard to explain to somebody why fanfic means so much to me or why it's so important to me. That Castile is canonically not straight. Those are things that you know uh, people might humor you about them, but they'll still tease you about it, or they'll still just they just they just won't get it. And then beyond that, all of the all of the education that I've gotten for Twitter from Twitter has been amazing. I mean, I I, I have never. I never would have understood so much about people's experiences had it not been for Twitter. And I would have never learned so many things about myself had I not been exposed to it in a way that was that felt safe, you know, like where it's not just being explained to you so that they can then tear it down. It's it's people just being humans having experiences and, and you suddenly being like, oh, my God. That totally explains why I feel this way or, you know, but I think that the most important thing has been watching revolutions happen in real time. I think for me, like a big turning point was the air spring uprising, because that was the first thing that really paid attention as it happened um, to something that was so Big and that impacted so many people in profound ways that our media in the U.S. was not really given profound coverage on. But the coverage that 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 we got was very, you know, it was, it's very white, very American coverage, where you're not um, they don't really go deep into detail. But even they started being more nuanced and more. They started giving better coverage because of Twitter, because people were, you know, uh, uh, replying or quote tweeting or whatever it was at that point saying, well, you're missing this information or this is the perspective of this person who is actually there. And the way that that Twitter has changed how news is received and covered has been just the, the biggest impact in my life. Like I, I've really become a lot more careful about the information that I consume. And not just, you know, the, the typical, you know, check multiple sources, because if all of your sources coming from are coming from the US, then you may not be getting the full picture. You may not be getting the the best information. So yeah, I, I think that was like the, the biggest turning point for me in, in my um Twitter usage. Meg.
3: Well, I was gonna be snarky and then no, I'm just kidding. Um, no so for me twitter is kind of i think carla kind of said a lot of what i agree with it's kind of a space where i can just be weird i can interact with people that say like i i have facebook and facebook for me generally is like people i know in real life like mostly my family to share pictures of my kids that's kind of what facebook is um, I'm not going to be going on Facebook talking about my favorite smut fic that I was reading, or going on and on about any fandoms that I'm in because, frankly, I would I would do that and I would just get like people I know denigrating something that I cared about and that I liked. And who wants that? Like, who wants to love that? So I I that's kind of where Twitter became much more important to me with the fandom and stuff like that because I can go there and I can you know, tweet and uh, like squeeing about some silly fandom thing or a ship or something like that, or something really deep and personal that media has touched me in a way. But almost always that there's someone who's like, yeah, same, exactly. And it really opened a door to the rest of the world. I mean, that's one of the things that's amazing. I have learned so much, just by following and interacting with people whose life experiences are so completely different from my own you know i have a fairly i have an extremely privileged life and i think had i had i not educated myself in a lot of ways or seen the other experiences of people on twitter and on and mostly on twitter that's what i use the most i would have probably continue to be very ignorant of that privilege and, and where other people's experiences are completely different than my own. Uh, And I think that was massively important to me personally, as like my growth as a person, as a human on another incredibly personal note, I like met my best friend (laughs) and to be able to, you know, watch a tv show or a movie that no one else i know in real life watches no one else i know in my little bubble of world of people will watch the show or listen to this music music <laughs> i was like wait a minute <laughs> yeah you know i'm so big into that but they don't it's not something that anyone i can sit and talk to really cares about and i can talk to my husband and he will listen to me and, and he will do his best but it's different to be able to go to a place and find people who love the same stuff that you love and are as just as weird about it as you are mm-hmm. to have that interaction and to have that camaraderie and i think it made our world so much smaller in that way and there are are good things and bad things to that too and like it's real rough when all my friends live hundreds and thousands of miles away but i think barring the misinformation which is really a horrifying and awful thing that we are seeing a lot of in all social media but it's really easy to tweet something out and have it go viral or whatever and have it be the wrong information have it be and be downright harmful but watching historic events events happen in real time is a humbling experience in a lot of ways. i think about like if and watching activism, watching movements build, watching the Me Too movement build through social media. That I don't that I don't think it would have been possible to build like it did without something like Twitter. Watching Black Lives Matter gain this momentum and this attention that has been desperately needed on this situation because it became everyone was talking about it, and they were talking about it on Twitter. So I just it's incredible it's 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 like a massive town square basically is what it is an international global town square and it's just one of those things where i don't know it's not like anything else it's not like facebook it's not like instagram it's not there i haven't seen any kind of social media that is the same way and the way that you can also curate your experience to, like, I don't want to hear about this certain actor. I want to hear about this certain company. And you can mute that. Or if you need to protect yourself from triggers, you can take care of that for yourself, which is fantastic. Um, I don't, as far as favorite Twitter memories... I don't know if I have favorite Twitter memories necessarily. Like meeting you guys was a great memory. I remember live tweeting, like, live tweeting and watching when Castiel told tells Dean that he loves him. I remember, like, I was in a video chat with friends that I'd met on Twitter and that was organized on Twitter, and live tweeting it at the same time is one of the most, like, burned in my brain memories of, like, just a screen full of people and my phone and my TV just losing our minds. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i don't that's what i got i'm so bad at like just ending a sentence and just letting it be there and be done <laughs> on to you just Tanya.
1: do what I, what I do and say the end
3: i just keep talking and peter out <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Tanya.
4: I think we need a, like a talking stick, um, a virtual talking stick. Um, That's okay. And then you could pass it to me. Um, Cool. Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought up social movements. uh, Because for me, that's, that's what Twitter, that's what's been the most exciting and fascinating Mm -hmm. as a social scientist who looks at the way fans and fandoms are becoming like social movements and using social media in order to advance social justice causes. That's, that's what has been most interesting to me about it. Um, I think the fact that you can more directly interact with some celebrities or public figures on Twitter um, also adds power to those social network opportunities. But being able to watch, I know Twitter was really important for organizing Black Lives Matter protests around uh, Ferguson because they they were trying to stay off of um, things that, police could track, frankly, right? And so in when protests need to be a little bit, a, li- a little bit isn't the right word, when protests need to be safe, right? And protesters need to organize, that's, that's a tool that they've used. I don't think um, the attention around Me Too would have happened without Twitter, as you said. For me, one of the most exciting things I saw on Twitter was um, disaster response. So after Hurricane um, Harvey and, um, let's see, Maria in... 2017 fans got organized and started looking at Twitter for the hashtag SOS Harvey. And they um, started to like connect the, the volunteer Navy people. So people out with their boats and things to connect them with folks who needed rescuing from their homes, who couldn't get out of their homes because it was um, flooded, you know, so much. And those people who were in that situation couldn't use 911, the cell towers weren't working. So they were going to Twitter Right. So those disaster responses like that and literally saving people's lives because a bunch of nerds got together and we're like, oh, let's let's we can do this. We got people all over the world through this network of fandom. Right. And we can like get online and be monitoring and connect people to the services they need. And they saved like, I don't know, thousands of people, hundreds of animals um, in that in that effort. So things like that for me are just really show the the possibility of what you can do with, with something like this when you've got the dedication and the organization of really passionate folks. Um, so that was, that was amazing. Like on a personal note for my research project and looking at fandom, it's been so helpful to be able to connect with people directly on Twitter, see what they're doing. They can reach out to me, ask questions, right. Things like that has been, has been really, um, you know, just vital for a small academic who wouldn't otherwise be able to connect people all over the world. Um, And then I've had a couple of tweets get retweeted by Misha Collins or uh, folks with huge followings. And that's always fun because your phone just goes, like, it just, it just explodes. And Mm -hmm. I, I, one, I was at a conference and I tweeted something about Gish. And somehow that got picked up and I just, I couldn't fall asleep because something kept lighting up and it turns out it was my phone. <laughs> it kept waiting. So it was a good reason to be kept awake. But, you know, that's all really exciting because you get to kind of promote this very nerdy niche, you know, area of academia and and fan studies and things like that. So those things are really you know, the ability to provide rescue services, to provide support, watching the way that Winona Earp fans or Supernatural fans have focused a lot on providing mental health support, just fan to fan, kind of like, hey, I'm even just somebody who's like, I'm sorry, you're going through that. Like, here's a resource or I, you know, feel free to chat with me about it. Fans have done that for each other. And just that's, that's so beautiful. And that really encapsulates like what I would hope we would kind of, bring into the future in whatever iteration of social media happens
2: next. And Tiff?
0: Just to reiterate what everyone else said about the visibility and viability of social change uh, really hit home for me uh, as a Black woman. Um, Me Too wasn't necessarily the... um, I think the catalyst for me to like really start paying attention to sexual assaults, sexual, sorry, trigger warning, sexual assaults, sexual um harassment or anything like that. Honestly, it was um Feminista Jones' constant uh reminder of how black women are not listened to in terms of when we report things of when we say, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to my friend. This is what happened to my sister, my my mother, my aunt, whatever. Um, her constant knowledge was kind of what I think expanded my mindset on what the possibility of Twitter could be. Ferguson was a huge thing for me because it was mind-blowing when you saw in real time the... Racism and the militarization of police in this country, in the U.S., Uh, the fact that, once again, trigger warning, they left Mike Brown out in the street for more than 12 hours in the heat, uh, completely disregarding, you know, any type of respect for, you know, a U.S. citizen, for a person. Like, you strip away people's humanity when you do that. Um that sort of thing and the protest that came around after that was hugely mind and eye-opening for me, um, even though my experience as a Black woman in the L.A. area is a lot different from the experiences of Black people in majority Black communities, like in the South and in the Midwest. Um, not to say that I don't have... The same face the same racism and same misogynoir that a lot of other Black women face. But I think it's a little bit different when you have a community that is like 90% Black and you have a police force that's 100% White. It is a lot different because you have, um, you see the distrust that's built up and that's always been there. And it, it can't be alleviated. It just can't. Um, and like Meg was saying about, learning about social movements in other areas outside of your own lived experience. That's huge. Standing rock was a huge eye opener for me, a huge eye opener um, because native voices are so, so muted in the U S like, I mean, that the fact that every single treaty that they've ever signed has been completely decimated, completely decimated. It is so important to have those voices, let us know what is happening in, you know, and I'm just saying this as they say it in Indian country. Um, this is their land. They have the right to tell to tell other people what they plan to do with their land. The land bat movement is so critical and so key to Alleviating and avoiding the climate decimation that we're seeing, you know, the climate change that we're consistently seeing because of fracking and because of um, deforestation, deforestation. <laughs> I don't know what I just said. It's Sunday. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about. I have to go to work tomorrow. I'm not. Out there, <laughs> deforestation. <laughs> um, it's you know, it's a huge, it's a huge, mind blowing thing for me to know what these folks are trying to do and what they're trying to get us to see. That is that that is an amazing, amazing thing. The other, the another thing because we see in the U.S. the extremely biased attitude our politicians and our media have toward the Zionist state of Israel. It is huge to listen to Palestinian voices on that and what is happening in the Middle East and in that area in particular. Um, It is, uh, when you get into what is essentially an apartheid state, and you see how Palestinian people are being consistently tortured and consistently wiped out by an Israeli government, it is, it, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And Twitter was the one, Twitter is the platform that gave them the opportunity to share this with the world. Kind of segueing from that, favorite Twitter memories. Uh, <laughs> that's hard because there's a lot. I mean, honestly, there's a lot like, you know, like Meg was saying, you know, meeting my people, meeting my, you know, my found family. And that's what I consider you all to be my found family. Um, that, you know, it warms my heart. <laughs> it gives me the fuzzy feelings. Uh Aaron and I just saw each other in October. We got to be one degree from Fenwick Rock, <laughs> which I still win. <laughs> I win. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, planning that sort of thing, the The buzz around, I, I honestly, the buzz around Hamilton was amazing, amazing. Um, friend of the pod, uh, Shannon, Shannon, we met up in New York, like we spent a billion dollars on tickets and we we saw Hamilton on Broadway in 2016. So we got to see the majority of the original cast, uh, which was (laughs) off-mossing. I just have, I have so many warm and and fuzzy feelings about the people that I've met. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing, being able to tweet with you all about midi project and, you know, just getting into, uh, I mean, live tweeting was a huge thing. Like, I mean, a huge thing, uh, scandal. Um, let's see <laughs> that was a big one. <laughs> that was a huge one. Um, yeah. uh, there were some others that, I, I mean, at the time I was like the walking dead, uh, Game of Thrones, I did a huge amount of, I mean, if you go back and look at it, I'm almost embarrassed by <laughs> the number of tweets I have about that, but uh, I'm going to try to do an Irish slide off of what I'm talking about because I spent too much time, so I'm done. <laughs> that
2: was great. Thank you, Tiff. Tanya, go ahead.
4: Yeah. I just wanted to add, I think the thing I forgot to say was the live events. I think my understanding is Twitter was created for conferences, like to be able to mm-hmm. connect connect with people. If you attend this huge conference with thousands of people, you could tweet hashtag, you know, this research or whatever. And that's why the academic side for me was so great. And so there's been times where I've seen or participated in live tweeting of different fandom events or academic events and what I love about that is it democratizes that experience in a way that I don't know that other platforms do in real time quite as effectively so I've I've really enjoyed that aspect of it
2: yeah uh well to echo of course um you know the big thing about Twitter is you know not feeling so weird anymore I think was the big thing which which has been mentioned quite a few times but you know Some of these things that I'm into and that I have been for my whole life and getting really, really involved in a show and feeling like connected to characters or in a movie and feeling connected to characters or having like, you know, it be like the thing that you're obsessing over at that moment um, or finding yourself within fandom or finding yourself within a piece of art sadly can be laughed at a lot by people in your immediate circle and by people that are close to in you your family and and having them not understand why that stuff is so important to you or why it means so much to you and so to be able to go to a place to be on a platform where not only is that embraced but the majority of people that you happen to be interacting with are like that too and it doesn't matter, you know, age, anything like that or location, anything. you know, it's just you find this community of people that do not look at you, look down on you because you love a piece of art or media or because you find yourself in that or because you can collect merch for that or because you do that. They're not going to laugh at you. Um, you know, there might be playful teasing or whatever, but there is never like that feeling of shame that I think a lot of people like to do with people who are involved with fandom Mm -hmm. in any kind of way. And so that has always been like one of my favorite things with Twitter. And granted, I found a lot of friends locally through Facebook, honestly, but that was through like supernatural groups. But Twitter is where I first found like a fandom home that wasn't like a message board where it was live stuff where I felt like I could really connect, you know, to people who shared the same interests as me and weren't going to judge me for my interest and we could have healthy, fun debates about a character. And it's just, it's helped me feel so much better about myself personally. Um, that I, 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 just really will. It's just, it's hard. Listening to all of this, I have to say is very sad to me because of the fact that we could be losing some of this and, it's been a literal lifeline for a lot of people. I know, you know, for me, I think Twitter helped me personally get to the point where I felt comfortable voicing my own traumas and where I felt comfortable being open about my own mental health and my own mental illness and my own struggles with that. And Yeah, the podcast has helped with that too, but I think Twitter was kind of the stepping stone and mainly because I found other people that were already being open about it, people that I respected, people that I admired, people that I'd become friends with through fandom. It was incredible. And, you know, and, uh, you know, again, echoing that I met so many amazing people through through a show, through a comedy show, through a show uh, uh, called The Mindy Project. How, you know, on the face of it, you're like, how in the world can something like that necessarily lead you to find some of the most amazing people you've ever known in your life. And that's the beauty of art, I think. And then the beauty of Twitter celebrating that art. So that is one thing that I will always cherish so much. I would not have my podcast without having met people within fandom. It just wouldn't, with this wouldn't exist. So that's another thing. And it's just, it's such a huge, amazing, it's become such a huge, amazing, important part of my life that even though there are downsides, there are bad sides before all of this stuff happened with Elon Musk. It still has been more of a blessing than a curse until recently. Um, so, yeah. And um, as far as like favorite moments and stuff, it it, it is really hard to choose uh, because I do think a lot of, you know, the, the social movements and watching that those are all in- incredibly impactful and you know learning from other experiences and thinking you know before i joined twitter oh i'm so open minded and i'm ahead of everybody else and i'm so progressive and i'm so this that and realizing no i have a lot to learn and being open to learning and learning about my own shortcomings and, um, learning how to be a better ally and knowing that there are going to be lots of missteps and to learn from that and not get defensive about those missteps. And so I think as, you know, coming from a place of profound privilege, that was an amazing, a, a huge wake up call. And like Meg had said earlier, so that, that was a huge, huge thing too, as well. Uh, but, I'm going to take some little lighter favorite moments here. The great gold versus blue, the the dress debate from years (laughs) ago.
3: I am apparently on the wrong side of that debate. I've never seen it as anything but white and gold. ever. Like I've done all of the things that everyone tells me that you should do to see blue and black. Never, never once. It's white and gold. We're going to, now this is going to be a whole new debate.
0: (laughs) It was different for me on different things that I looked at. When I looked at it on my tab, it looked one way. And when (laughs) I looked at it on my phone, it looked a different way. So Something was going on with screens, I think, for me. Nothing. It
3: never changed for me. It not, I, like, That's I looked amazing. on my computer. I've looked, I, it's. <laughs> <laughs> that nearly destroyed humanity, Erin. I can't believe you brought it, it back. It, was it, like,
2: powers. Powers. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It was like people were arguing over, and it was so, you know, it was such a huge deal. And then when you had, you know, more like t- literal tragedies happening, you would hear people would refer to that and go, can we please just go back to debating the color of a dress? Mm-hmm. Can we please just right. go, what was, uh, there was another one of like goats or sheep or what was that one? Does any, everyone's looking like they, like the, the these most goats. The recent one was because, everything is I don't cake. know. Nobody remembers. Oh, the cake thing. <laughs> where no, everything, everything is, is cake. cake.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so little things like that, that actually, you know, are great, um, release and like a great way of coming together around something that seems so silly and and also a lot of the the celebrity interaction I you know as a geek and that stuff has been exciting when a celebrity you admire and like likes something you tweet I, I don't care. You're going to get excited about that. I mean, you you see celebrities get excited about other celebrities liking their tweets. So it's like that kind of thing where you get to all geek out <laughs> over something. Like I said, you know, Jeremy Sisto used to follow me. And I remember how excited I was when Jeremy Sisto followed me and how heartbroken I was when Jeremy Sisto unfollowed me. Oh,
3: Beth Grant <laughs> Beth Grant followed me. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm very excited. I you
2: know there's and- that – there's that geekiness about that, and you know, still, still not wanting to mention that man Tay Diggs, who just refuses to follow me back, follows everybody else.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, he probably listened to that episode, but we just went in on his acting mm-hmm. about yeah. equilibrium, he and he was like, "Follow you?" Yeah, I know, but it's okay. It's <laughs> okay, Erin.
3: It's okay. It'll be fine. I also remember on twi- <laughs> it's Twitter, Twitter okay for me, yeah. Twitter is where I think it was Tiff and Carl. And I can't remember who all got me watching Buffy. And I remember watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first time as a full grown adult and tweeting about it with Mm -hmm. you guys. And it was just so it was just so fun. Meg was the one
0: who actually took my recommendations and, and actually watch them because I would tell, like, I would tell my sister to watch something. She's like, "Oh, I'll get to it," and then she never got to it. <laughs> Meg was literally the only one.
3: <laughs> you and I people. are in the same boat, Tiff. I harass people relentlessly about the stuff I like, and no one listens to me until Carla finally. I wear Carla down, <laughs> <laughs> just because she's like, "I talk to you every single day, and this is what I'm gonna hear." I'm working on something with Carla right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well and and speaking of that though, like with Tiff, Tiff and I, a little the Tiff and I would be would watch shows nobody else was watching with us. We would be if if Tiff wasn't online or I wasn't online, no one would respond to our tweets about Bates Motel or the Path. Nobody. We were the only ones, like we were like, watch these shows, watch they're still so, I know, I know. And the path which got cancelled on a huge
3: a clear, huge finger. clear finger.
2: A huge we're still <laughs> bitter about
0: this, folks. We are still <laughs> bitter about this. It's been how long, Aaron? Like, and four you know years.
3: what?
1: <laughs> I know, but you I know. know what? Another huge thing from Twitter, the the campaigns to bring back shows yes. or to have shows move uh, from network yes. to from platform to platform. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the I Mindy mean, Project Fandom was instrumental in getting uh, Mindy on Hulu, which we regretted almost immediately, but it was still <laughs> a very important point in television history, because who knows if anybody would have continued that show if it hadn't been for the fandom very vocally on Twitter, like well- flooding hulu for please save our show you know
3: and and look at look at how now our most of our television service through streaming it's really hard to get kind of reliable numbers so production companies now look at things like is this trending on twitter are people talking about this and it's 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 crazy how like just tweeting about a show enough can save it can keep it from being canceled yeah and the reflection lucifer
1: yes but but also you know uh art imitating life look at how many shows and movies like you know there's a successful publicist like oh you're trending now you're you know the number one Mm -hmm. trend in the u.s because it's become such a big thing like if you're if you're not trending at some point then are you even on air true yeah and tanya tanya Talking, you know, I've been,
4: thank you for bringing that up because about the fan activism of getting shows going, because I want to shout out for Wayward Daughters, which got the pilot of Supernatural, it didn't get picked up, which was heartbreaking, but they would never have gotten that pilot without um, my friend Riley and uh, her co Twitter runner, um, reading every single tweet Every day for like four years straight, that was tweeted at them about getting the show going, getting the spinoff, and then even um, Winona Earp, Twitter was super important for them getting mm-hmm. uh, second, third, and and fourth and final season. Um, the fans took over billboards in uh, Times Square for for weeks, I believe, and then tweeted about it on Twitter and sent the um, production company gift baskets. So they they were like. Very polite in their harassment. Like instead of like yelling (laughs) at them, they would send them fruit baskets and things like that. So yeah, shout out for that
3: too. Yeah. Timeless fandom did the same kind of stuff Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: But yeah, when you were speaking, Aaron, about like finding a community of people who. Get you, you know, who you can talk about these things with, and just enjoy them without someone belittling you or or being, you know, condescending or or uh, patronizing. And and I just was—we talked about this before. Your whole podcast, right, is to give women and and non non cisgender straight folks an opportunity to like enjoy the things we love and share our perspectives. When for years we've been told that's not for you, that's not for you. You shouldn't like that. You should just, you know, stick to your stick to your role. So like women getting shame about loving things when cisgender men don't get shame for loving football and watching, you know, being like almost religious about <laughs> about their football fandom, right? Versus us nerding out about a fantasy show, getting all kinds of crap about it,
3: right? Well, and the beauty too, is if someone yeah. does decide on this platform, does decide to be awful to you because of something you love, you can just block them. And then you just don't have to deal with it anymore. They're just gone. And it's amazing.
4: (laughs) Yes.
2: Okay, well, we're going to turn to, you know, the loss here and um, this will be the, the final thing we talk about, why the potential loss of Twitter is, is a big deal. Uh, and I want to mention what happened today and I'm going to read directly from Twitter support here. Uh, so the reason I'm reading this and starting out with this is this is um, absolutely horrendous and a huge blow to a lot of people. Uh, So Twitter today announced, um, and this is from Twitter support, the official Twitter support account. uh, We recognize that many of our users are active on other social media platforms. However, we will no longer allow free promotion of certain social media platforms on Twitter. Specifically, we will remove accounts created solely for the purpose of promoting other social platforms and content that contains links or usernames for the following platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Mastodone, Truth Social, Tribal, Noster, and Post. They're saying they will still allow cross-posting content from any social media platform. Posting links or usernames to social media platforms not listed above are also not in violation of the policy. Um, they also went on that you also can't use like Linktree. So you can't have Linktree in your account, which is something that a lot of indie podcasts, indie correct creators, uh, freelance journalists... All sorts of people use this. This is bizarre. This is absolutely disgusting. And honestly, a lot of this and a lot of the changes that keep happening tw- to Twitter happen to coincide with when someone does something Elon Musk doesn't like. So then, like someone, um, for instance, criticized Elon Musk for criticizing Apple, that Apple has, you know, threatened to supposedly remove Twitter from their apps, which they should just go ahead and do it, honestly. Um, and him getting upset about that and if you, you and someone point out, well, you're tweeting from an iPhone right now because it'll tell you where you're tweeting from, they removed that now. Now you will not see where people are tweeting from. This is all a honestly, in my opinion, in most opinion people's opinion, this is all because of this rich billionaire white man who cannot handle a Ounce of criticism and wants control. And so he is changing things when they aren't to his liking, like banning a lot of journalists um, and banning the account that was tracking his private jet information that's actually public. Um, And all this the doxing rules are also going to actually affect a lot of things that wouldn't normally be affected by that, that wouldn't normally be considered like, quote unquote, doxing kind of thing. Um, I'm not as familiar with that. I was trying to read up on that. So I'm not going to speak too much on that. But if somebody else knows, please feel free to add that too. But so, Carla, why is the potential loss of Twitter a big deal to you? And then any other stuff you want to add about
1: it? The first thing is all of those things that we were talking about, all of the social justice movements, all of the societal, all of the, the visibility to all of these facets of humanity that we previously did not know enough about or didn't have access to and that have changed our world view, have changed how we view ourselves, all of that is going to be impacted. It is currently being impacted by the way that Twitter is changing. And I don't think that, you know, before this guy took over, we would all joke about, you know, why are we on this health site? This place is where we come for like our daily dose of depression before we take our antidepressants. It, it, you know, to, to a point it's true because being like super online is exhausting. It's draining. It's not good for your psyche. And as much as it's good to know about things going on outside of your own bubble, it can be very harmful if you don't take a, a, a break from it. But that's, on a voluntary basis, that's with with us deciding. Okay, I want to be fully immersed in this. This is how much time I'm going to devote to um, to this uh, pool of knowledge and all of that. But with the way that this is going, if that that's going away in a way that's very toxic and harmful and very, very, very white and very, very Republican there's no denying that all of this the reason that musk took over twitter was to silence people he you know for all his talk about being you know extremely pro free speech it's he's not he's clearly not he's a dictator and free speech to him is speech that doesn't Nag at him. You know, things he only wants to hear positive things about himself. He only wants to see points of view that support his points of view. Anything that goes against that, not interested in it. But it has a huge impact on people. And th- the first thing that comes to mind is the disabled community. I think few people or few communities on in the world will be impacted the way the disabled community has been. Because you know, for example, on TikTok, you see a lot about the the Iranian movement and what's going on in Iran as far as the um, um, the movement to allow women to cover their heads or not if they choose one way or the other. Uh, you see uh, just a, a lot of, of big things. But on any platform, you don't see a lot about disability, about being disabled, about Navigating the world with disability, what that means for you, as far as your rights, as far as your um, your sense of who you are, about normalizing seeing disabled people out and about and living their lives. And there's a, a really great post by Imani Barbarin on her website, Crutches and Spice, titled with Twitter crumbling it feels like the world is collapsing on disabled people where she writes i don't want to leave the platform and i feel like i'm mourning it in real time and i see that from like a lot of the of the disabled people that i follow where it's just like you know this is where they've gotten well we've gotten like the most um support the most uh connectedness where you meet other people where you find out about like oh, wow, that sounds a lot like what happens to me on a daily basis. Or like, oh, wow, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that maybe this medication is something that I should bring up to my doctor. And just having your experiences out there openly, like on Twitter, because Facebook is so insular and um, Instagram, you know, now Instagram wants to be like five different things at once. But even back when it was just images, you weren't going to get on the algorithm if you weren't, I don't know, if, if you if you didn't meet certain criteria for beauty. And certainly if you have a disability and you're using like, you know, a prosthetic or a mobility device or whatever, you're not going to get as high in the algorithm as you would otherwise. So all of these other platforms may be great, but they don't have the same, it's not on the same playing field as Twitter. Twitter, all you have to do really is be witty and be concise and find a way to engage people. And that's something that that's being taken away from, from disabled people. And it's, it's really disgusting that a group that already has so many, so many ways in which we're marginalized, the one place where it feels like you can build a community and get uh, like even financial support, like the GoFundMe's and the here's my cash app. Can you please help me with this medical bill? Can you please, you know, whatever? Do you know of any doctors in this area that deal with this? All of that is is going away. And even though, you know, Twitter being the dumpster fire that it is right now, the reluctance to leave it is because where else are you going to not only move with your entire community because people are are moving to other platforms, but Nobody is moving. No, no uh, community is all moving together to one platform. Everybody is just spreading out, and that's difficult to deal with because you're, you know, your family is being broken up for no for no reason other than this very rich person doesn't see the value in your existence, and that's the same thing with you know the response to COVID. Nobody cares about marginal. Nobody cares about disabled people. Nobody cares about masking through the entire thing. Nobody cares about um, the misinformation being spread about vaccines. Nobody cares about the misinformation uh, being spread about the consequences of long COVID because it doesn't affect you the way that it affects disabled people. It's just it. And that, you know, ties into this banning of journalists. The, The sudden... Um, banning of, of journalists that happened a few days ago like I said, the, the misinformation that's out there and that, the misinformation you know it's it's hard to track unless you know what you're looking for and if you're not an expert in something you might not you, you may not uh, really be able to suss out the nuances between one and the other but when you're banning people who can help you suss those things out, who have the the training to do so, who have the resources to do that? Where do you get information now? And for one thing, you know, the, it's very interesting to me that among the the social media platforms that they're post that they're banning um, for for promoting them is Post. Post is like a Twitter for journalists. It's very, very new. It's very, very buggy. It's not very, very populated, but it's the journalism of the thing. The fact that this baby website is suddenly in the crosshairs tells you everything you need to know about what the real goal of Elon Musk's campaign against democratization of information. It's not about anything other than keeping people ignorant which has been the goal of the Republican Party for a very long time in an effort to suppress their them um, rallying together and finding the information that helps them advocate best for themselves. All of this is happening is you know a microcosm of, of what you're seeing in, in politics. It's a rich white man using his resources. To keep everybody else down because suddenly they seem to have influence and suddenly people were listening to them, and we can't have that. But so like I, like I was saying, the the journalism, the ban on journalists that just came all of a sudden. and th- this is a I'm gonna say it's a slightly older article because it's three days old on um, in the New York Times that says Twitter suspends accounts of half a dozen journalists. And it's all because they started reporting on the account that was tracking um, his jet, which, like you were saying, is public information. But public information that he calls doxing, it's only doxing if it's happening to him. It doesn't matter if people are actually being doxed and being swatted when they're, you know, Black women who dared get too uppity- and demand respect for something, and you have trolls who suddenly blast their information online. That's not doxing. That is just free speech. But when somebody compiles information about the owner of Twitter that anybody can access, that is suddenly doxing. The callousness and the blatant racism and the blatant anti democratic of Elon's purpose and buying Twitter is growing more and more clear and bold by the day because it was never about free speech. He's no free speech absolutist. He's no centrist by any measure. This is just somebody who wants to take away the, the megaphone that people who have been shoved into the corners of society have been able to wield for the past 10, 12 years. Yeah. Meg.
3: Yeah. And I feel like almost as important. Yeah, Carl, that was amazing. Uh, almost as important uh the people who he's suspending, the accounts that he's taking off, are the accounts that he's reinstating. Literal Nazis. That. It's disgusting, like everything we talked about, how the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter and the Arab Spring, all of these things gaining momentum of people power, of marginalized people organizing and creating change for themselves because God forbid anyone do anything to help. They ha- So people are helping themselves. And the change that is coming from that. That's that's it. That's what he wants done. Talking about free speech, he's not they're not having Parlor be one of these social media sites that you can't link to. They're not it. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous that an entire global communication system that is so important is being held hostage by a whiny man child because that's what it is he has a lot of money and he's going to take his ball and he's going to go home because people aren't being nice to him like it's the most baffling thing in the world to me um and we lose a lot like you said the people that i know from twitter we're not all going to the same places and nothing is still the same like there's discord which a lot of people do discord and stuff like that and that's great except it's not the same. You have your little servers, but I can't see someone like, oh, there's somebody I haven't talked to in a little while. Their tweet is on my feed and and have an interaction with them, or someone I've never talked to before wind up on my feed and, and I'm able to, to get to know somebody else. It's it's really heartbreaking on a personal level. And I think Carla was right when we talk when we joke about this hellscape and this hell site and doom scrolling and stuff like that. But the idea of losing that connection that I have with so many people on Twitter is just, it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways. And I also think that the suppression of like other social media sites that he doesn't like, like Mastodon is this tiny babysit. Hive Social is two people. <laughs> now I think three people. And the second a bunch of people were like, hey, Hive Social has a lot of the same Things as Twitter, some a lot of the stuff that we love about Twitter. Let maybe that's someplace someplace that we can go. I'm surprised it wasn't on this list. Twitter hid Hive Social's twi- Twitter account when people were talking about going over there. They suppress like it's so ridiculous. And I just saw someone talk to just tweeted at Elon Musk about like how the link trees would be really good for like creators and like like just saying. Linktree is really good because that's where I my business website is linked to. That's where the XYZ is linked to. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of, well, maybe we'll change it to that. So it's like whoever has Elon Musk's ear at the time. Yep. That's what he's going to change. And But it's just, it's really frustrating. Like banning journalists, banning activists, and allowing Nazis and white supremacists to come back to social media and do terrific amounts of harm is just it's awful yeah
1: it's dangerous
3: yeah
1: Uh, um okay so i got this quick little notification from hive saying elon musk is stepping down so we're stepping up so i went on a quick search to see what's going on he tweeted should i step down as head of twitter i will abide by the results of this poll and um, right now the yes is leading but, so I started to, to wonder, like, okay, what's behind this? There's an article from Wednesday, uh, actually, this is from, from November, where, from Axios, where he apparently is, um, that he told the Delaware judge that he plans to reduce my time at Twitter and find somebody else to run Twitter over time. And apparently the time is now, perhaps. So I'm just bringing it up because, you know, like you said at the beginning, the reason that you gave the date, on which we're recording is because this is changing so quickly. So this is just indicative of his state of mind and his constant meltdowns. But also it's not necessarily a great thing if he did step down because he's the one appointing somebody else. So who knows who else could be brought up, and then we lose the accountability of constantly pointing the finger at him if he names somebody else. So, like, he as the marquee name disappears, but does his mindset and do his policies disappear with him?
2: Yeah, I was going to bring up a. Co- I was going to read a few tweets that he just it's, recently yeah, did.
3: Insane
2: to go along with what's going on, but I'm going to do that when I get to yeah. me. Well, and I was ahead. just
3: and I just remembered like the being able to buy a blue check mark, being able to buy verification and then getting mad when people <laughs> I'm sorry one of my favorite memories is everyone being Elon Musk on Twitter I'm sorry that was just hilarious to me yes, yes. that was the um, best. and his crybaby <laughs> attitude after it but the whole point of having a verified check mark is so that you know that that's the actual source that's the trusted source that you are going to be getting that information from and it's held to a higher standard if you can anyone can just buy a blue check mark that defeats the purpose I and mean, we talk about how misinformation is already so rampant in in social media and on the internet and this just adds to that this just takes away any and then of course like you can be official as well as very it's it's so, it's so stupid and now there's the yellow check marks it's all dumb i'm losing my mind at the yeah. stupid twitter but now i now i'm finished yeah. <laughs> It's, it's very stupid. So, so Tanya.
4: Yeah. I'm going to preface this by, by saying that I am absolutely not defending Elon Musk. Uh, Cause I don't, I don't want what I say to be perceived that way. I think part of the issue for all of us, it's, it's the capitalism. Like it is the state of oh, extreme capitalism as you're all identifying that we're in. And this is not, this is not a public square as much as we want to treat it that way and want to use it that way. And I think Ideally it would be that it is a private company um, and they are beholden to stakeholders, yada, yada, blah, blah, capitalism, economics, bullshit. Right. So in an, and I tweeted this and we'll see if I get booted for it. If so, I I feel like it's a good one to go out on. I think what we need is a public social media network that's crowdfunded like NPR or um, PBS that's beholden to other people. Uh yeah, exactly. Thank you, Carla, for for I was actually I wrote down welcome to Tanya's Marxist corner, kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. Yes. So, yes. Welcome. It is come come closer. Come closer. Everyone gets a share of Marxism. Um otherwise it's not fair. Um, okay, so yeah, so um come closer, children. Um and let <laughs> me tell you, uh yes, so I think that it what what the what we need is something like that, because this is a new Um, right. This is a new media in the way that we have public radio and we have public television. And I don't know, I was trying to think of a print version and I don't, I don't know that we have, you know, like public print presses anymore, but, um, rather than just walking outside your house to a public space and hollering, right. This is, we need a public social media service that is useful that people can use that has some, some reins on it. It can't be totally unfettered because otherwise you get, you know, Nazis and, and, you know, there has to be some, some free speech with, with, uh, with guidelines, right. With training wheels or whatever. So you don't have um, incitement, but yeah, it just, I don't know why that doesn't exist. Um, I don't know how to make it. I can't make it. It's just an idea. And I think it would be great that if it were crowdfunded and that way, I know PBS and NPR are not perfect because our system is not perfect, but at least that gives you the option to know that they will print retractions or they will admit when they screw up and they will say, we didn't have good coverage on that. Or we got some listener complaints and they'll share them because they have journalistic integrity. And that's, that's the real issue here is as much of a, a, you know, Problematic figure Musk is. I I think I I don't know if I made it a week this semester without complaining about Elon Musk. Um, but it just as much as he is a problem, it's 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 the capitalism. And from a conflict theory perspective, if you want to look at this, like Carla was bringing up some points about, this is intentional. You could see this in a Gramscian um, conflict theory perspective in terms of like, this is an attempt to create a cultural hegemony so that everything that is tweeted supports those in power. The status quo stays the status quo because the masses assume Musk has money and the power because he earned it, right? Because he's invented all this stuff when he did not.
0: We know this. Yeah.
4: Um, I love the quote from the John Oliver show a couple of weeks ago was Elon Musk answers the question, what if Willy Wonka benefited from apartheid? Right, So I'm just going to just going to cite that source there. But yeah, the we could take that conspiracy theory perspective or or sort of that that conflict theory perspective of this is intentional. And if once once people with less power find a way to use this and get some power, the those empower the powers that be the institutionalized, you know, racism and and people who want to maintain that hegemony, they just squish it down. Right. And we could look at it that way. Um, we could also look at it as again, not a public company. We need an alternative that is more balanced and fair and be and has some responsibility to all of us, like all the disabled community that you're mentioning. So one more point, I promise. So we're getting we're coming back to the comments on the da- disabled community. Um, I really appreciate that because there's a model of disability studies that looks at how it is not the person's individual impairment that is disabling. It's whether or not the environment or the social space includes that person. It's called the social model of disability. I did not make that up. A lot of people a long time ago, smarter than me, made it up. And so I think what people were finding on Twitter was a way to participate in social and civic life and community in ways that they weren't able to because they are often excluded from public spaces or forums, et cetera. And this we could talk about the disabled community. We could talk about other marginalized communities. You mentioned the the indigenous um, ad, advocacy groups. Um, I'm thinking of oh, I thought of another one, and it went even even fans, right? Even fans like us who want to see, hey, could we could we maybe get some queer characters that don't get immediately shot after they, you know, hey, could could we maybe get like like better representation in this stuff? And you know, so we're finally getting some some inroads there and then bam. Right. So I think that's part of why it's such a huge loss is the ability for folks to have a space to participate in things that they couldn't otherwise.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And Tiff. I do think that being part of the major issue with the evil mollusk now owning Twitter essentially is the fact that We're talking about a dude who was born in Pretoria, South Africa, in the heart of apartheid South Africa, Mm -hmm. a family that owned a freaking diamond mine in apartheid South Africa. This is someone who is used to crushing under his heel, under his boot, a family that is used to being bootlicked by the masses minority power subjugating a majority people. And this is what we see happening in real time now on Twitter. The disability advocacy that Carla was speaking so eloquently on um, is this going to affect people? I, I mean, there has been a huge, huge, and we know this has happened previously, but now you have documented cases of people's mobility devices being completely ruined by a mass of airlines. You see it. I mean, people take pictures of it. These very, very expensive mobility devices, such as you know, um, mechanical uh, wheelchairs and things like that, being broken and unable to be fixed, you know, completely broken, and airlines not offering any type of compensation for this. So is this because you are calling out an airline? Is this going to be now the thing where you can't do that or you get knocked off the platform because you are bringing to light something that is a part of a marginalized group? Because this whiny, disgusting white baby man is the one who's now running things. is this a part, are we not no longer going to have the ability to shed light on social activism? Because once again, this is a man who is used to everybody, to the majority bowing down because they have no other options. Is this what's going to happen now? And I think that's the, that you know, that's the, the really, really sad part about this is that we, as Tanya mentioned, the lack of accountability now is pulled away. It's pulled away because we're no longer, our voices are being silenced by this now. I was <laughs> I was actually um, suspended earlier this year for like a month and a half because I made a mention about somebody being like, a Nazi (laughs) and I I was suspended for a month and a half because I wouldn't take the tweet back. I wouldn't because it was true. You know, I'm going to when I see you're racist, I'm gonna tell you, hey, you know what, you're racist. And that's that on that. And they took away my access for a month and a half. I wouldn't take it back and they finally just decided to hey, here you go. You can have your tweet, you can have your Twitter, you can have your account back. And, And so I'm wondering now I'm and I'm pretty sure that you're going to see that more and more. As Meg stated, giving <laughs> these, you know, these Nazis, these white nationals, their counts back. I, I've already seen ones that have been given there, you know, somebody highlighted the fact that this uh, this one is, has gotten his count back already. And first thing he tweeted was, should I say the N-word? He did a he did a a poll. Should I should I say the N word? Yes or no. And of course, with the with the people that follow that type of thing, you know, it's going to be like 90 percent. Yes. Say the N word. You know, you already know that's what that's what it's going to be. It's disgusting behavior. It's absolutely disgusting behavior. And the fact that our algorithm has to be for people in the U.S. has to be subject to that type of behavior is really, really disheartening. It's super disheartening, and it's going to become more and more prevalent uh, if you stay on the platform. It's one of those things where Twitter is a a catch-22 because it's one way to get your information, even though some of it may be misinformation, but you're able to grab things in the moment when it happens, and then you can fact-check your own moment-grabbing things where if you're just sitting like at work and you're not really paying attention to anything, you might not know what's going on. You have to wait until you get home and you can like sit down and actually watch the news, which is incredibly depressing. But I mean, honestly, and I think I mentioned that in um, in our little group chat that, oh, I have to watch the news now. <laughs> no fun. Even watching the local news. It's just um, yeah. it, it's it's exhausting. It is. It, that's what it comes down to. Like, it's exhausting to have to watch that even the um, even the, you know, the the happy stories that they sometimes get. But um, I know we have to, to wrap up soon. So I'll let I'll pass the book to I'll pass the talking stick to Aaron.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. And I, I'll i just I'll keep this very br- brief for for time, but uh, since you know, as as Carla mentioned, in real time things are changing all the time. Um, so I just want to point out a few recent tweets um, as of five fourteen Mountain Standard Time on December eighteenth. So Elon Musk did tweet out. Going forward, there will be a vote for major policy changes. My apologies won't happen again. And um, he tweeted that out at about 4.30 uh, Mountain Standard Time and then did, of course, the the poll that Carla mentioned about should I step down. And this is what's really telling and goes into what Carla was saying and what, what everybody has been saying is his next tweet uh, about, you know, about like 30 minutes or so after that uh, is – as the saying goes, be careful what you wish – and there's a typo, so I'm assuming four was supposed to be in there – what you wish for as you might get it. So that tells you right there that if if he does step down, which probably with what you were citing, Carla, he probably wants to step down and he's looking for a way to blame it on other people and not what is actually going to happen. And so whoever he's going to be put in charge is not someone we're going to want in charge. So it's not like – him stepping down is going to be like this. Hallelujah. We're all free from the big man, baby, white, annoying, yes, mm-hmm. infected dick, as Tanya put it <laughs> so eloquently in her our- <laughs> No, but that's very true. I mean, it's not like we're going to be free of that. It's actually going to get worse. So I think. And this, all the, the reason we have someone like this is uh, is also, least, you know, when you were talking about capitalism, Tanya, like we've mentioned, 100 times on this podcast before, capitalism is a disease. And these are all the symptoms of that disease that we are seeing. And it's really scary, dangerous. This stuff all started way back. It's been going for decades now. Um, You can also trace this stuff going back to when Sarah Palin became a candidate. I think that is also where it kind of starts because you had that, you have the tea party, you have all that stuff coming. And those movements and you would not have this, I don't think, without that. And you do have this disgusting show of if anything doesn't go my way, I'm going to backtrack and I'm going to make a play like, oh, oh, I'm sorry about that, everybody. I'm gonna, I to I don't do that, but be careful what you wish for. So this whole little like threats, these are little threats. That's what that's what he is doing is he's threatening you. And it's scary and it's scary for creatives. It's scary for everybody that relied on this. Anybody that was in a marginalized community, it's absolutely terrifying. So yes. And then quickly, I just want to say, you know, uh, as far as like on the creator side and, and Um, You know, and on any side, the way you can help is by speaking out about this stuff as much as you can and go follow the people that you were following before on other platforms that they're going to try and vet the platforms as best you can. I know it's not always possible, but the ones that are coming up Um, and, you know, that's that's the big way you can you can do it. So, yeah. okay. well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, we could definitely talk about this for another two hours and maybe we'll revisit this when – I don't know. But <laughs> we might revisit it at some point. So thank you all so much for joining me. So I'm just going to go around and have everybody say where they can be found <laughs>
1: how to support them.
2: So, Carla.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean I would give you my Twitter stuff, but like what's honestly the point? Um, but I am currently on Hive. At um, Mexicarli, that's M-E-X-I-C-A-R-L-I. I'm on post as, am I on post as Temis or as Mexicarli? I don't know. Try them both. I am on there. Um, it's probably at, at Mexicarli with the name Temis. I'm on, where else am I? I'm on Mastodon at the social, some, whatever. I, I don't know the link offhand. It's, I'm on Mastodon and I'm on Discord. Where else am I? I'm on uh Instagram at what am I there? Okay, at Carlatemi's. You can find the podcast that May that Meg and I share, um, Bed Wetter Behead Podcast on currently on Twitter, but also on Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. And my website with my art and musings that I haven't updated in a while, but it still has pretty photos. So look at it anyway. The, the front page is gorgeous. Just look at that, I guess. That is um, CarlaTemis.com, C A R L A T E M I S.com. Awesome. Thank you. And Meg.
3: Yeah. See, this is why I have the same username on all of it, Carla. <laughs> so I don't have to try and remember because I'm an old. <laughs> Um, you can find me on all of the stuff. um Don't try and find me on Facebook. I don't. I don't want you there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you want to see a bunch of pictures of my kids and me just randomly posting stupid stuff. Wait, that's everywhere. Uh, but you can find me at Wisconsinac, W i s c o n s e n n a c h. Yeah, I am also on Hive. If you want to come follow me there. Um, but Yeah, I'm on all the stuff at Wisconsinac. That's all.
2: Thank you. And Tanya?
3: Yeah.
4: Um, you can find me in the club, Bottle Full of Bub. No, I'm just kidding. Go um, yeah. so shorty. Go so shorty. I was going to have something. Um, okay. No, you can find me on Words with Friends, too. Um, if you can beat me at Scrabble, I'll follow you. No, um, okay. Seriously, you can. I really do obsessively play Words with Friends. Um, you can find me on Twitter for now at aknerdfighting. A K N and F are capital. Or on Facebook, i always keep nerd fighting. And I don't know, I'm pretty findable
2: if you just Google my name. Sounds good. And um, Tanya, you have a novel. A book- oh, I have a book. Yeah, I have a book.
1: I was like, <laughs> I just talked. What? Uh, thank you. Okay. I was yeah. like, Oh, <laughs> did you mean to? Um, you, you have no, a book.
0: <laughs> I was really <laughs> confused for a second. I,
4: mean, I know. Is I my name too. Tanya. No, do you mean Tiff? Um, Okay, (laughs) so you can also find my book in bookstores or available for pre-order. It's Fandom Acts of Kindness. Thank you. And it's it's out officially January 3rd, 23, um, but you can pre-order or you could get it from your library or any place that you enjoy getting it. Shout out for local bookstores. Um, Yeah, and support small creators on Patreon. Like this podcast, and all of us who donate our time will will also, you know, owe you a coffee or something too, for supporting
2: it. <laughs> awesome! And go listen to our interview with Tanya as well. So,
0: and Tiff, I can't wait to. Bye. On this book. So as soon as we it's wrap it's fabulous. Up, going to buy it.
2: <laughs> um,
0: well, for right now, yes, you can still find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm not there all the time like I was before, but if you tweet at me, I will tweet back. It's at Who is is me. Um, my avatar is grumpy cat because I decided I was going to be a rumpy cat for the rest of the foreseeable future. So, but it is me at Who is is me. Uh, I'm on Discord also at who is tip is me with a bunch of numbers behind it don't know what that means but it's at who is tip is me not on hive yet guess i have to go and see what it's about because you know my people are there so i will be eventually on hive and more than likely at who is tip is me unless it's taken so thank you (laughs)
2: Yay. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get Hive yet either. I'm on there, but I don't quite get it. So I'm trying to understand it. I made the second post today. I made since joining. Uh, but, this is, but this is Aaron. You can, for now, you can still follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. I know I joined Hive for personal my personal account too, but I don't remember what – I think I joined over the end of the same thing, if I remember correctly. I was trying to keep it the same. Um, But be sure to follow – sorry. to Be sure to like the podcast on Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. For now on Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. We're on Hive under the same at, at Fandom Thing Pod. We also have a Discord. It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Once again, I will always forget to remember what the numbers are. But we have numbers. I don't know. But I'm sure you will be able to find us – We haven't really done much with our server, but go find us. Uh, We're on Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Uh, You can follow us on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Uh, Be sure to check out our website, it's a fandomthingpod.com. And that'll have links to such things as our Redbubble store, Buy Me a Coffee, Patreon, which we are working on updating and changing our Patreon account. I have added a bunch of new exciting things today for people who donate $15 amazing merch stuff that i have added in there for continued support i added something else for $7 and then $3 you get bonus there's a poll right now so you but you have to join but a poll to decide what we cover in january so it's between covering that true true crime doc i mentioned Talking about the Winchester. So if you want to make me watch that show. Um, Talking about um, uh, Firefly Lane. I don't know why I put that on there, but I did. And then um, talking about the new uh, Knives Out movie, Glass Onion. So, yes. So there you go. Uh, So go to – what's it? Sorry. (laughs) I just got a lot of weird looks from my panelists. Um, Anyway. Uh, and our next episode is going to be a lot lighter. We're going to be talking about Christmas television and stuff. So we, that's going to be Carla, Meg, and Tiff, again, are going to be joining me for that one. And then, oh, really quickly, a really quick announcement here, because I said I was going to make it on this episode and I almost forgot to make it. So apologies. Uh, the change that's coming to the podcast that starts in January with our first week, uh, our first Christian Effing Bail Week is we are doing two episodes a week still, but the episode on Wednesday is going to be different. What it's going to be is it's going to basically be what we're into and any pop culture events, any fandom news. So if there was any updates on Twitter, it would be on that kind of episode. So that's the change. So on Friday, you'll get like the main event is what I'm calling it, quote unquote. So like for our first January main event episode on Friday, January 6th, you'll get the very first Christian Effing Bale episode for that month, which is going to be covering Empire of the Sun. So, but on the Wednesday before that, we'll be talking about what we're into. It'll be a shorter episode, but just, I thought it would be a good idea to start talking about pop culture events and it'll be with the same panelists that'll be on that week's Friday's episode. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me as well. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate.